0: A couple weeks before Christmas, I received an email, and uh, I wanted to read it to you. Noah came into my life when I met his daddy. Noah was two years old at the time. He had been born addicted to heroin and had already lived a life full of struggle in that time while living with his mother. I took him in to live with me, and we focused on love, health, education, and family. Noah needed several surgeries and follow-up treatments in order to help him gain weight in a healthy way. We had no money, but we were living a great life nonetheless. Three years later, his mom found out that his dad was in jail, and she gave me 24 hours notice that she was going to come and to get Noah. I fought to keep him, but in the state of North Carolina, the mother gets the child unless there is a current abuse ongoing. And so Noah was ripped from us by his mother, his mother that he no longer recognized and no longer knew his mother that he had already lost, who had already lost custody and all of her rights to her two older sons. She kept him hidden from me and blocked my calls. She moved and even her family were unsure of her whereabouts. I kept in contact with the social worker assigned to his case because I wanted her to know that I was here if Noah ever needed somewhere to go. We never gave up hope that we would see him again, but I was so angry at God. How could he do this to Noah? How could he do this to us? Five years passed, and I got a phone call from the social worker that Noah needed a home. Noah was nearly 11 years old now, and for the second time in his short life, I picked him up from such an ugly, heart-wrenching environment, this time far worse than the first The social worker walked me through what the last five years looked like from his perspective. He had been witness to theft, to drug use, mental and physical abuse. He had lived in the backseat of a car for a few weeks in the winter. He had gone without food, clean clothes, and love. And again, I couldn't help but ask, where was God? We've been working hard, building trust and refining how we approach education. This one has been really tricky. school is hard for him. And when I found out school would be closing and that classwork would be done from home, I immediately started to panic. How could I teach him, especially from work? And once again, I asked the question, where was God? So I think we've all asked that question at different times in our lives, haven't we? Where is God when things don't go the way that I want them to go, the way that I hoped that they would go? Where's God when the marriage that I dreamed of isn't the marriage that I dreamed of? Where's God when my kids make decisions that that it's not how we raise them? When friendships hurt more than they help? When my dream job turns into a nightmare? When my financial stresses seem insurmountable? So I I feel very confident saying that, that that question was probably asked more in the year 2020 than probably any time in the last 50 years. But Jesus told us not only where God is, but how how God works. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked his disciples, his closest followers, he asked them two questions. The first question he asked is, is who do people say that I am? And then he got more direct with them and he said, who do you say that I am? This was Jesus' version of Where is God? And he wanted to see how his disciples, how his followers would respond. And and Peter, who was kind of the leader of that group, he responded this way in Matthew chapter 16. He said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. And now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven that for whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So Jesus packed a lot into just those few verses but it always starts with us answering the question, who is Jesus? I mean, do we really believe that he is God, that he is our Savior or, or not? When Peter said yes, then Jesus went on, right? Jesus said this to him. He said, I will build my church. See, the church is owned. The church is led by Jesus, if you've ever been in, in Chick-fil-A, when you walk into the entrance of a Chick-fil-A, there's usually a picture of Truett Cathy, who is the, the, the creator of Chick-fil-A, right? He's the, the founder. He was the original owner of Chick-fil-A. And I think that's probably why so many churches, when you walk in, you find a picture of Jesus somewhere in there with a lamb over his shoulders, right? It's that, it's that ownership picture. See, Mike doesn't own the church. The elders don't own Hope Community Church. You don't even own this church. Jesus owns the church, and look what he said next. He said, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I mean, that's incredible news, isn't it? Now, Jesus doesn't say that the powers of hell won't try to conquer it. And we don't have to look very far, right, to see pain and to see hurt and brokenness. It's everywhere. It's all around us. And it may feel at times like hell is winning. Winning in, in our world and, and winning even in my own life. But, but Jesus promised that it would never conquer That ultimately the wind would come to God's church. And then Jesus says something very, very interesting. He says this, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Do you remember when you first got your driver's license? Do you remember the first time after that when your parents tossed you the keys for the very first time? Right. For most of us, it wasn't our car. We didn't pay for it. We were just using it. I was glad. Mine was a two-tone brown uh, Plymouth Reliant. It was a terrible car, right? I had to learn how to fight just to get, because I wouldn't get beat up driving this car. And I was glad that I didn't own it, right? It was absolutely, absolutely terrible. But it's the same concept here. It's God's church. We just get to, we just get to be it. So we probably need to define what church means, So we? we? We need to have a clear understanding of what this is. Now here's what the dictionary will tell us of, of the church. It, it says this online, it's a noun, it's a building used for public Christian worship. And I think that's probably what most people think of when they think of the church, right? That, that they came to church with me, they came to a physical location, to a place, to a building. But that's not the biblical understanding of church. In fact, the word church, in in the original Greek, the translation, it's it's the word ekklesia. And what it literally means is this, it's an assembly or called out ones. So the root meaning of church, it's not of a building. It's a collection of people who are committed to a mission, not committees who are making decisions, a culture-shaping thing, not culture-adapting. And so the question is this, where is God? And here's the answer, he's here. He's here working in us. He's working through us that we represent him through his church. Now, maybe you've heard this statement said before that the church is the hope of the world. When you think about where we've been in the the last several months, the last year, things haven't felt very hopeful lately, have they? And so what should we do as the church what should we offer? What should we be doing to bring that hope into this new year, into our community, and literally around the world? If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me to Acts chapter 19. And while you're turning to Acts chapter 19, let me, let me just go back and hit Acts chapter 2. This is where we left off last week. It's this incredible picture of, of, of this original church, right? The very first church and the community that was found in there. It, it's an incredible example for us today of what the church should look like. Acts two forty two said this, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer that everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, that all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Week one, Chase talked about hope. It's, it's only found in a relationship with Jesus. Last week we said that community is where we get to experience hope and that the church is where we express that hope to the world. See, Acts 19, it gives us a glimpse of, of a church. It was the church in Ephesus, and that literally is, is found in, in modern-day Turkey. It was started by Paul. Now, just for context, Paul wrote most of the New Testament, so there's a lot of credibility here. Uh, Timothy was the first pastor. There's two books in the New Testament that were written by Paul to Timothy, So they had this incredibly intimate relationship, right, that was there. There's this accountability. In fact, one of the elders in that church in Ephesus was the apostle John. Now, we have some very legit elders here at Hope. I mean, some very, very godly men. But one of their elders wrote part of the New Testament, right? Like, that's a big deal. Some of our old elders are as old as the New Testament, but none of, them, none of them wrote the New Testament, right? Like they're just not on that level. And Paul, in fact, wrote an entire book in the New Testament to the church in Ephesus. So this, this church, it's a very, very big deal. This is probably the healthiest example of a church that we have in the entire Bible. And what this church did, what this group of people did, is they literally created not just spiritual transformation, but God working through them. There was social and economical transformation as well. And so I want us to take a look at this. Because can I be a little bold? Can I make a a bold statement? I think Hope Community Church is just like this church in Ephesus. I mean, we have... So many incredible things that are going on in this church. Now, now, let me be real clear. It's not because of us. It's not because we found some secret strategy that, that no one else has discovered. It's not because we have a great family ministry. We do, but that's not the reason. It's not because our senior pastor has tattoos. He does. That's not the reason why Hope is such a great church. It's simply because God has chosen to bless it. Now, let me say one more thing before we take a look at this church. God is more concerned with who we are, with our hearts, than He is what we do, with our actions. And, and I want you just to hold on to that for a little. We're going to come back to that in a few minutes. But let's take a look at this church, this church that, I, I think looks a lot like hope, and is an example, a model of what we should continue to be striving towards. Now, let me just say, if you're here and, and you would say, "Donnie, I, I don't think I'm a Christian." I mean, I'm, I'm kind of just kicking the tires of this whole Jesus thing. I've never said yes to Jesus. I've got a lot of questions still. I'm a little skeptical. I'm not really sure about this whole Jesus church thing. Let me just say this. The first two things that we're about to talk about, they apply to you as well. But after that, right, the, you can kind of stop paying attention to the, the rest of, of the list. In, in, in fact, I'm gonna give you permission to just go ahead and judge us because I know you already are judging us, right? So I, I, I want you to judge us though based on the right things, We're gonna show you some things here that if we're not doing these things, that's our bad. And in fact, let me make this promise that that we promise to do a better job of living out this model of church. But but if that is you, and just in case you decide to say yes to Jesus, maybe even today, I want you to get a sneak peek at what it's gonna look like, right? Of what the church looks like, of what your life would look like of what comes next when you say yes to Jesus. Now, if you're a Christian, you're in here and you would say, I am a follower of Jesus, I'm watching online, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm all in. Two things for us as well. This isn't for someone else to do, right? This isn't something that we get to just leave to the paid professionals and we don't get to hide behind the excuse of, that's not my spiritual gift, right? It might not be, which just means it's gonna be a little bit harder for you. Maybe you should start praying that God would give you that gift as well. We all need to be a part of this. Here's the second thing. We get to do this, right? This is not punishment. This is actually purpose, For us, making money is your job. That's not your calling. Being the church in our community, I mean, this is what God saved us to be. This is what He is calling us to do. So here we go seven signs of a healthy healthy church. Acts 19, beginning of verse 8 Paul entered the synagogue and he spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of heaven. The first mark of a, of a healthy church is this, is bold teaching. Now, people ask us all the time, what's your stance on fill in the blank, right? Like, what is it that you believe? In? What's your stance on, on this topic? And our answer is always the same. We teach the Bible, not our opinions. Now, if you've hung around Hope for any amount of time, you've probably heard Mike say something like this. If I were writing the Bible, I wouldn't have put that in there, right? Because that's hard, that's going to be really difficult to do. I'm not super comfortable with that. But here's the reality. Our opinions don't matter. And so we don't share those things with you. We're not here to show you how smart we are, which is good, because we're not that smart. <laughs> Chase is. Chase is very smart. But the rest of us, not, we're not that smart. And, and so we're not here to do that. In fact, here's what my job is. When I'm standing up here, my job, it's not to be funny Some of you are like, good, because you're not, right? and That's okay. It's not for you to like me. I would love that, but that's not my job either. My job is this. In fact, it's two things. One is to point you to Jesus, to help you recognize that the gospel is a part of everything in your life, every decision, every minute of every single day, that the gospel has something to impact and change and shape and mold you by that. Here's the second thing, it's to help make God's word come alive to show you why it matters, to make it understandable so that you recognize that you want to read this book for yourself. See, we believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God, that the Bible is perfect, there are no mistakes in it, that God oversaw everything that was written in it, that it is just as relevant today as the day that it was written, that it is a life-changing And so this is why we do weekend services the way that we we do them, because we expect people to show up here every single weekend that, that don't believe in God, that are coming with struggles, that are coming with issues, that are coming with questions. And our job, our privilege is that we get to point them to the hope that is found in Jesus and give them a chance to respond to that hope. And we do that in every environment. From the youngest children to the oldest adult, that's our goal, is to provide this bold teaching. See, you may walk away and you may say, I don't know that I believe all that. That's okay. What we really hope, though, is that you will come back next week. You'll say, I'll give that another try. In fact, I'm gonna bring a friend with me to to check this out and to hear it as well. Bold teaching was a big part of that first church in Ephesus. And it is a big part of what it means to be here at Hope Community Church as well. Verse nine. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. That was kind of the term for that that early church. And so Paul left them. And he took the disciples with them and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Here's the second thing. The second mark of a healthy church is this, is that we choose to follow Jesus. All of us. Every single one of us has to make that decision we have to make a choice about who Jesus is. Do I believe that he is God? Do I believe that he is my savior? Every year at Christmas, we, uh, we share some version of this, that God didn't send a, a life coach. God didn't send a financial advisor. He didn't send a politician. We could use a few, but, but he, didn't, he didn't send those. God sent a savior. Why? Because we, we needed saving. If you could save yourself, you would have saved yourself already, right? But, but we can't save ourselves. Some of us tried to save marriages that were hurting and broken, and it didn't work. Some of us tried to save kids and, and keep them from making decisions that were going to blow up their lives. Some of us have tried to save relationships, but they were too hurt. They were too far gone. We've tried to fix finances. We've tried to stop things in our lives, habits that we've been holding on to for a long time. If we could fix ourselves, we would have done it a long time ago. So this is your choice. It's a choice that only you can make. No one can make this choice for you. See, you have the option to be, as we just read in this passage, be obstinate and refuse to believe, or you can choose to become a disciple, a follower of Jesus. But understand this, there's no middle ground. You're either all in with Jesus or you're all out. You can't have a foot in both worlds, right? Because that's all out. You have to make a decision about who you believe Jesus is. Non Christians, right? You're here, you're you're, you're kicking the tires, you're just listening, you're done. That's it, that's your list. Two things. You come and hear what God has said to you, right? What, What God is saying to you for your life through His Word, and then you choose whether you are going to trust, whether you are going to follow Jesus with your life. Those are the two things for you. But if you're a Christian, we're just getting started, so let's keep going with this list. Verse 10. This went on for two years so that all of the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Here's the third mark of a healthy church. It's persistently sharing the gospel. See, our job is to be so excited about who Jesus is and what he has done for us that we can't help but to talk about it to everyone that we come in contact with. I love what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9. Listen to this. Even though I am free of all of the demands and expectations of everyone I have voluntarily become a servant to any and to all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever it is. And I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those that I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message, because of the gospel. I didn't want to just talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Let me ask you a question. Does that describe you? I mean, can you say that? I don't wanna just talk about Jesus. I wanna be all in with this. I wanna do whatever it takes without living in a way that dishonors Jesus, right? To help lead as many people as I can into a God-saved life. If you're not persistently sharing, inviting people into the hope that's found in Jesus, maybe even to hope the, the church, right? If you're not doing those things, you're missing out on a big part of who we are. But even more so, you're missing out on what God created and called us to do. Verse 17, when this became known to the Jews and to the Greeks living in Ephesus. Let me, let me stop there for just a second because here's the fourth one. It's biblical unity. And we know there's a lot of division that's happening in our nation right now. The division between the Jews and, and the Greeks in, in the first century, I, I can tell you that it was at least as bad The reality is it was probably even worse than what we're experiencing here in our country. But the gospel of Jesus was tearing down the walls of division and was bringing people from opposite sides, racially and, and politically back together. See, what we know to be true is that culture is always going to work to divide people. But the church always needs to be at work through the gospel to unite people both back to God and then back into relationships with each other. And that's why over 50 years ago, those powerful words from Dr. King still ring true in our ears that I have a dream. Because I believe that is the same dream that God has. The same desire that He has is for us to be united together. See, our mission here at Hope is to love people where they are, but it's to love them too much to just leave them there, right? And and so we want to finish that by saying we want to encourage you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. I don't know if you've ever been to Costco. I'm sure most of you have been to Costco. You you can't shop at Costco unless you have a membership. right? I love Costco. I actually worked at Costco in college, one of the best jobs that I ever had. But you can't shop at Costco unless you have a membership to Costco. But the church, there's no membership requirement for you to be a follower of Jesus. Everyone is welcome. All people are allowed to come here. You come as you are and you love people where they are. Why? Because that's how Jesus responded to us. Look at the rest of verse 17. They were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Here's the fifth mark of a a healthy church. It's spirit-filled worship. It says that they were seized with fear. See, because of Jesus, we should have this growing awe of who God is. That because of Jesus, we should never get complacent. We should never get lazy. We should never be bored. But every day we should be filled with an awe at how amazing our God is. And, and as a result of that, the response to that is simply that we express, we express our thankfulness to God. Look at the rest of that verse. It says, the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. See, this is how we show that gratitude. In the Bible, it's, it's called worship. Worship. worship is more than just a great band and we have the best of the best, don't we? I mean, I would put our bands up. It's not a competition because we always win, right? I would put our bands up against any band, any church, anywhere. In fact, I would put our bands up against most of the music you listen to on the radio. We have incredible bands here, but it's more than that. It's more than just three songs and a video and a prayer. Worship is living every single day in a way that shows and tells God how great he is and how grateful we are For him. Verse 18 Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. And a number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and and, and burned them publicly. And when they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. That's several million dollars worth of things, right? Life change was beginning to happen in such a way. Jesus was so valuable, important to them that they recognized all of this other stuff in our lives, several million dollars worth of stuff needs to go out of our... Jesus is in, and this this is out. Here's the the sixth thing. It's life change. Life change. See, saved doesn't mean fixed. There's a word, a theological word, and it's, it's called sanctification. And what that word means is this, is that one day we will be perfect. One day we will stand in God's presence, right? We will be with him and we'll have perfect bodies and there'll be no more sin and no more sadness. It is gonna be a perfect thing, but that's not here and that is not yet. And so in place of that, What God has done is he's given us his spirit to take residency inside of our lives and to make us more and more like Jesus every single day. We need to be growing in that, starting things that make us more like Jesus and stopping things that keep us from being like him. Change should be happening on a regular basis in our lives. In fact, the church should be a place where life change is happening on the daily, right? It's one of the things I love about hope. Every single week we show a video of a way in which you have contributed to making a difference in the lives of others, or it's literally stories of people whose lives have been changed by Jesus. See, if that stops, then we have problems as a church. But what it also means is this, is that the, these places, right? Even if you're watching online, the, the physical locations, they should be filled with people with needs. That literally you're sitting right now beside people who are broken, people who are sick, maybe even demon possessed. Some of you are like, yeah, see, I thought that guy had a little demon in him, right? Like I was, I was pretty sure. Don't point if you think someone's got a demon in them, right? Like you, you don't point at that. But here's the truth. Whatever you're dealing with, Wherever it is that you have been in your life, we are so glad you are here. You are welcome here. This is not a place for the all-togethers. And that starts with our staff. This is a place for the people that say, I need hope in my life, that I need change in my life. See, I believe God's greatest desire for us is for us to find freedom, that we're free from our sin. That's called forgiveness. We're free to enjoy God. That's called worship. We're free to enjoy relationships with each other. That's called fellowship. That we're free to enjoy the best parts of this, of this world. And there is something powerful that happens when the church gets this. Look at verse 20. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. And after all this had happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. And after I have been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. He sent two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, to Macedonia while he stayed in the province of Asia a little longer. And about that time, there arose a great disturbance in the way. Now, you may look at this and say, this is really a result of the other six being true. I, I, it could be, I, I think it may also just be its own part of this. The seventh mark of a healthy church is this, the church created a disturbance. This past year, we gave out more food than we have ever given out in the history of hope. Wake County Public Schools reached out to us. They reached out for food for students and for families that were in need. Even though they weren't going to be in classes, the needs were still there. And they reached out to us to, to ask if we could help with that. Wake County reached out and they approved us turning our campuses into virtual learning centers, places where students could come and where adult volunteers would would journey with them, help them log on to class and and encourage them and support them in this new experiment, this new experience for them. They reached out to us and asked if we would take on some kids that had fallen through the cracks. There literally were some students that hadn't logged into school for several weeks They reached out and said, could you you take them into your campuses? Could you help them get logged into school? And and if at all possible, could you help them catch up with what they've missed? Police departments send people to us locally. In fact, our our police departments, sometimes they call us and they ask us for help. We love the the police officers, our men and women that, that serve us in our communities. People came to our church this year. We gave out more toys to provide gifts for kids at Christmas in our community than we've ever done before in the past. See, hope is making a disturbance in the community. It's not a bad disturbance, right? it's not the kind of stuff that we see on TV. It's the kind of thing where people in our communities are saying, there's something different about them. They make our lives better. I don't know them. I don't know everything that they believe, but but there's something about them that's different. Mike says this all the time. He asks us this question. If we were to shut down, would our neighborhoods, would our community even notice that we were gone? The answer is this, they better. They better. But that's up to us. It's up to us to be what the church needs to be. But here's the incredible part. We We believe that we're just scratching the surface right? That all of the incredible things that God has done here at Hope, that the best years are actually still to come. And so let me ask you this question. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Right? Who, who wouldn't want to be a part of, of what it is that God is doing and, and how he's moving in this way? See, we do a lot of stuff here at Hope, and we're going to continue to do a lot of stuff. But there's something that we need to watch out for. There's a, a motive that if this motive is missing in our lives and in our church, then the rest of it doesn't matter. Here's what Jesus had to say to this amazing church in Ephesus. Look at this in Revelation chapter two. He said, I know your deeds, Your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and you have found them false. You have persevered and you have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary, right? We read this and we go, that sounds good so far, right? That's the kind of people we wanna be. That's the kind of church that we want to be. But there was a problem. Look at what Jesus said in verse four. He said, yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand, your blessing from this place. Jesus says, you're doing all the things that a church should be doing. But there's a problem, you lost your first love. Do you remember back in spring, Mike did a series on the Ten Commandments? Do you remember the very first commandment? God said, you need to love me, right? There's no other God. Nothing else comes before me. Jesus said it this way. We love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. So with that, let me give you two simple applications. And, And please understand this. The order of these absolutely matters. Here's the first. We love Jesus. See, we need to do But before we do, we can't forget the who. We can't forget who Jesus is. We can't forget what he has done for us. And we have to focus on that before we focus on what God is going to do through us as a result. See, being a church that does a bunch of stuff in our community and a bunch of stuff in our world is great, but if we don't love Jesus, and if we stop following Jesus in the middle of that, it makes us no different than any other humanitarian or or, or philanthropical organization. On our own, we can do a lot of of really cool stuff. We have some very smart people here, some incredibly talented people here. But if we do it on our own, we are gonna miss out on so much of what God wants to do in our lives and in our communities. See, when Jesus is at the center, we're just scratching the surface of what it is that God wants to do through his church. So the first is that we love Jesus. The second is this, is that we need to be the church. See, the goal is that we do this entire list together. But let me just challenge you with this. For you personally, don't worry about doing all seven of these things. What's, what's the one thing that you need to focus on that, that needs your attention? What one area? Maybe for you, it's sharing, sharing Jesus persistently with your friends, your neighbors, coworkers, family members. Maybe for you, it's pursuing biblical unity. And I need to go out of my way, right, to, to try and, and, and bring people together Recognize that the church is open to all people. Maybe it's living a life of worship that I need to live in such a way that the the awe of who God is is shown through every part of my life. What do you need to focus on first? Now, can I let you in on a little secret? It's, It's this. Hope is just a small expression of God's big church. See, God is doing some amazing things in our nation and around the world. And over the next five weeks, we're gonna start a brand new series called Big God, Big Church. And what we're gonna take a look at is the fact that the church is, it's more than just an event that happens on a Sunday. It's a movement of God that has been growing for thousands and thousands of years. And we are gonna bring in five pastors, five amazing pastors who are going to share with us and challenge us from both their personal lives and from what God is doing in their churches. And we're gonna see some examples And we're gonna be encouraged and we're gonna be challenged on what what this could look like as hope continues to live out our next days and what God wants to do. Guys, we're a part of something amazing here at Hope. I mean, historical here at Hope. But it's very, very important for us to understand that we're also a part of something so much bigger than us. And so you don't wanna miss the next five weeks. It is gonna be so incredible. Let me finish... Know a story for you as, as I close. Here's what his mom said. I applied to the Hope Virtual Learning Center. And a question that was on the application was something along the lines of, do you belong to a church or a parish? And we had gone to another church and I questioned if I should put that or not. It sounds weird, but I thought, maybe I wouldn't get accepted if I was a part of a church before and it wasn't Hope. And I needed for us to get accepted but I put it down anyways. And just a short while later I received a call letting me know that Noah and his sister Caroline had spots at the learning center. And she wrote in all caps, they had spots at the learning center. I took a breath and I explained to them where they would be going. Oh no, not, not church is what I got from them. And I, and I tried my best to explain what it would be like there, but I really had no idea and so I dropped them off and wished them luck. <laughs> I love that. When then she said this, I picked them up and had not seen them that happy, that sweaty, and that talkative in a while. Everybody is so nice there. Everybody. She said, I cannot explain the joy and appreciation I felt that day and every day that I dropped my kids off with y'all. I'm unable to name names, but both kids told me how they received help with their schoolwork every single day, how they were asked how they were doing and how things could be better. It was absolutely amazing. My kids have had the most amazing experience with your staff, especially Noah. He has so many people in and out of his life and he has latched onto you all in a way that I've only seen with my family. Brandon, who is one of our middle school pastors here at Hope, has changed his life. They both want to attend Hope on Sundays. And Noah makes sure that he gets on the live meetings with our middle school ministry every time they're there. And listen to this, she said this, here he is. God is here with us, with Noah. The love and generosity y'all have shown us is guiding me back to my faith. We're still working hard as a family to better ourselves as we are far from perfect, but the community that we have found at Hope has inspired all of us. We will forever be grateful to all the volunteers that assisted in the virtual learning center. <laughs> Guys, God's plan from the very beginning was that The church would be the hope of the world. Community is where we experience that hope. The church is where we express it. And we have a world that is in desperate need of it. Would you bow your head with me as we close in prayer? And as we do, I I wanna read to you from Ephesians chapter three. This was Paul's prayer for that church in Ephesus. He prayed this, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him, that your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. And then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power and work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen.